This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. She's walking to the factory She don't look like much But I tell you she's a ticket to the easy life The convergence of punk with reggae and ska in the late 70s and early 80s resulted in some significant musical developments leading some punk and post-punk bands in England to experiment with the sound of reggae and dub in particular That's Reggae was natural for punks to mine as inspirational fuel, just as earlier rock and roll eras adopted ideas and energy from blues and R&B. And chances are quite a few English punks had more than a few scratchy Trojan 45s in their record collections and a love of reggae in their blood. Hi, I'm Mark Wasserman. Welcome to Punky Reggae Party, a special audio documentary series of the Ska Boom podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network that focuses on the historical origins and impact of reggae on popular music that will explore the phenomena of punk and post-punk bands adopting the sounds of reggae. The members were one of the wittiest and most imaginative bands to emerge from the 1977 punk explosion. had a semi-underground hit in the U.S. with the 1982 reggae rock song Working Girl, which is the intro music for this episode. Formed in Surrey, England in the summer of 1977, the members played at the Roxy and all the other punk clubs on the London circuit. Their first single, Solitary Confinement, was released on Stiff Records in 1978 and is now a collector's item if you can find it. signed to Virgin Records and their first single for the label, The Sound of the Suburbs, was a British top 10 hit, selling 250,000 copies in three months. It has since sold 1 million copies.
This is the sound. This is the sound of the summers. Having formed in the sleepy suburbs outside London in the late 70s, the members were too suburban and too far away geographically from the London scene to take their place alongside The Clash and the Sex Pistols. However, like their London brethren in The Clash, stiff little fingers in the ruts, the members were one of the first British punk-era bands to incorporate reggae into their music. And while the late 70s contained plenty of shining examples of the punky reggae party, the members were one of the prime movers in the era's cross-cultural mix of reggae and punk. The NME wrote of the band in 1978, of the many rock bands co-opting reggae into their act, few do so with as much love and style as the members. Best remembered for their punky anthems, the members never really achieved the widespread recognition that their musical vision deserved. Formed by lead vocalist Nikki Tesco, the band later incorporated reggae into their sound and, like The Clash, played fully formed reggae songs. This was no bandwagon jumping. Tesco, like Paul Simonon of The Clash, was a longtime reggae fan as far back as the early 70s. He said, In 1972, I went to university in Liverpool and discovered reggae big time, spending a lot of my time in various dub clubs. Tesco put the members' embrace of reggae into perspective in an interview. To many people, we are just a footnote, but I know Jerry Dammers was quoted somewhere as saying we were a major influence. We incorporated reggae to a greater degree than any other band, even The Clash, but we weren't in any way as important as The Clash. Much of the reggae influence in the band was due to guitarist Jean-Marie J.C. Carroll, who had been a banker in training when he joined the band. J.C. told the enemy. My rhythm guitar playing is definitely reggae-based. It's not the same as blasting an audience with full-on rock riffs. It gets them moving in a different way. But having said that, we're trying to play reggae in our own style. We're not singing about jaw love. We're singing about living in Britain. When I interviewed JC a few years back for my Marco on the Bass blog, he told me, We were well ahead of our time. Groups like the police used to come and check out our chops. We were there very early, and we sensed the punk had to slow down to survive. With their style built around JC's riffs and Tesco's reflections on suburbia, the members were part of the era's greatest satirists. They didn't sing about the big issues, but instead about a series of characters and everyday frustrations that anyone could relate to. Fully rooted in punk and rock, the members abandoned rock completely and gave full vent to their love of reggae on Offshore Banking Business, a non-album single released in 1979 that featured a loping riff, brass, and even a Jamaican-style talkover section, a lesson in home economics, entitled Pennies in the Pound from Tesco. The band also added a horn section comprised of Rico Rodriguez on trombone and Dick Cuffle on trumpet, who were on loan from the specials to add a full-on reggae feel. 
Lyrically, the song was also one of the first songs about insider trading, with J.C. using the knowledge he learned working in a bank to fuel a scornful condemnation of global financial corruption. Check out these lyrics. Bermuda in the Bahamas, Front Street, Hamilton. They're doing more than growing bananas. They got a tax dodge going on. Offshore banking business, international crime. Offshore banking business happening all the time. Give the full track a listen. Turn 
into the recording of the song. I was sitting in the bank one day and I wrote the lyrics and I phoned Nick Tesco and he was incredibly supportive. He said we should record it. Everybody else was, no man, it's commercial suicide. They want another punk song. Well, our producer, Steve Lillywhite, worked a lot at the old St. Peter's Square Island Studios. Lots of the old school reggae guys hung out there. It was his idea to have Rico play on the track. We were blown away to have him on the track. Anyway, we recorded it at Island because it was a reggae studio, and they had this young engineer there called Paul Groucho Smichael. He mixed it with us as Lily White was already getting busy. He went on to do all the Black Uhuru stuff. Back then, he was just a boy. The members' experimentation with reggae didn't end there. I have to admit that the first time I heard the model, it was not the classic Kraftwerk electro version, but an awe-inspiring reggae cover version recorded by the members from their 1982 Uprhythm Downbeat album. It was only a few years later, when I became a fan of Kraftwerk, that I finally made the connection between the two songs. Inspired by the models who worked at the Bagel Nightclub in Cologne, 
The original version of the song is the story of a high fashion model as she goes through her busy day. The song first appeared on Kraftwerk's 1978 The Man Machine album. It was released as the B-side of Neon Lights, but German DJs preferred to play the model. At the time, the song made no impact outside of Germany. Released as an English-language version in the UK as a double A-side along with Computer Love in 1981, the track went straight to number one, confirming its universal appeal. humble opinion that the member's version of The Model may be one of the most overlooked and impressive cover songs ever recorded, and the band wholeheartedly embrace a full-on reggae sound for the song, transforming it into a lost classic of the 1980s. Here's the song in all its glory. Appearing on Up Rhythm Downbeat, sort of the member's own version of Sandinista, in its appealing looseness and lack of consistent musical focus, the band joined up with producer Martin Russian, who had worked with The Human League, Altered Images, and The Go-Go's, and who was a master of helping unpromising non-commercial bands have big, shiny hit records without losing their souls in the process. 
According to an interview I did with JC, the regified version of the model was an unplanned last-minute addition to the album. As he told me, it was recorded as an afterthought in the middle of the night on Martin Russian's Human League Synths. track receives a loping dub-style workout with horns that keeps the momentum going and is a completely inventive take on the original. As JC said to me, we play English rock with a touch of reggae and we do it so people can enjoy themselves. you've enjoyed this episode of Punky Reggae Party on the Skaboom podcast. My book is available from DeWolf Publishing at DeWolf.com. That's D-I-W-U-L-F.com as well as on Amazon. Thanks for listening and take care.